Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Friday, October 6th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. A lot of great listening over there, over 60 well-curated podcasts, a wide variety of topics, all, all approached from a biblical worldview. Uh, definitely a lot of trustworthy content over there. I will guarantee you, you will find something over there uh, that, that you want to listen to, and there's a very good chance you'll find more over there to listen to than you have time to listen to it in. So definitely, I would encourage you to go on over there. I want to continue to point you at the next to last link in the show notes. It is for the Vale Valley Baptist Church Give, Send, Go campaign. We are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can commence establishment of a Christian classic education-based school to provide a trustworthy alternative here within our community. So go ahead and click on the link. Pastor Jay has provided a very thorough description of what we're trying to do and our goals. So take a read, and then we would ask three things of you. We'd ask you to pray for us. We'd ask you to prayerfully consider giving to us, and we'd ask you to pass the link along so others can do the same. All right. Well, again, we're gonna we're gonna do our continue on in our reading, and then we're gonna for the evening segment we're gonna have our final Bible study of the week. We're gonna be continuing on in a. Our study of the Gospel of John in John chapter 13. So let's go ahead and open up with prayer. We're going to open up with the sixth day morning prayer called the Gospel. Let's pray. O thou most high, creator of the ends of the earth, governor of the universe, judge of all men, head of the church, savior of sinners, thy greatness is unsearchable, thy goodness infinite, thy compassions unfailing, thy providence boundless, thy mercies ever new. We bless thee for the words of salvation. How important, suitable, encouraging are the doctrines, promises, and invitations of the gospel of peace. We are lost, but in it thou hast presented to us a full, free, and eternal salvation. Weak, but here we learn that help is found in one that is mighty. Poor, but in him we discover unsearchable riches. Blind, but we find he has treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We thank thee for thy unspeakable gift. Thy Son is our only refuge, foundation, hope, confidence. We depend upon his death, rest in his righteousness, desire to bear his image. May his glory fill our minds, his love reign in our affections, his cross inflame us with ardor. Let us as Christians fill our various situations in life, escape the snares to which they expose us, discharge the duties that arise from our circumstances, enjoy with moderation their advantages, improve with diligence their usefulness, and may every place and company we are in be benefited by us. Amen. All right, in the morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for October 6th, the text is from John 4.14, 14, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. He who is a believer in Jesus finds enough in his Lord to satisfy him now and to content him forevermore. The believer is not the man whose days are weary for want of comfort and whose nights are long from long from absence of heart cheering thought for he finds in religion such a spring of joy such a fountain of consolation that he is content and happy and happy excuse me put him in a dungeon and he will find good company place him in a barren wilderness he will eat the bread of heaven drive him away from friendship he will meet the friend that sticketh closer than a brother blast all his gourds and he will find shadow beneath the rock of ages sap the foundation of his earthly hopes but his heart will still be fixed trusting in the lord the heart is as insatiable as the grave till jesus enters it and then it is a cup full to overflowing there is such a fullness in christ that he alone is the believer's all sorry about that the true saint is so completely satisfied with the all-sufficiency of jesus that he thirsts no more except it be for deeper draughts of the living fountain. 
In that sweet manner, believer, shalt thou thirst. It shall not be a thirst of pain, but of loving desire. Thou wilt find it a sweet thing to be panting after a fuller enjoyment of Jesus' love. One in days of yore said, I have been sinking my bucket down into the well full often, but now my thirst after Jesus has become so insatiable that I long to put the well itself to my lips and drink right on. Is this the feeling of thine heart now, believer? Dost thou feel that all thy all thy desires are satisfied in Jesus, and that thou hast no want now, but to know more of him and to have closer fellowship with him? Then come continually to the fountain and take of the water of life freely. Jesus will never think you take too much, but will ever welcome you, saying, Drink, yea, drink abundantly, O beloved. All right, excuse me for a minute, so I can mute that thing, and it doesn't disturb us again. I'm sorry about that. I always forget to do that because I'm working during the day. So I forget to turn the thing off. All right, so we're going to do our reading. Uh, we're going to be reading, let's see, Jeremiah 6.16 to Jeremiah 8.7, Colossians 2, verses 8 through 23, Psalm 78, verses 1 through 31, and Proverbs 24, verse 26. So Jeremiah 6, starting in verse 16. Thus says Yahweh, Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they, but they said, We will not walk in it. And I set watchmen over you, saying, Give heed to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not give heed. Therefore hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing evil on this people, the fruit of their plans, because they have not gotten given heed to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it also. For what purpose does frankincense come to me from Sheba, and the sweet cane from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, and your sacrifices are not pleasing to me. Therefore thus says Yahweh, Behold, I am laying stumbling blocks before this people, and they will stumble against them. Fathers and sons together, neighbor and friend, will perish. Thus says Yahweh, Behold, a people is coming from the land of the north, and a great nation will be aroused from the remote parts of the earth. They take hold of bow and spear. They are cruel and have no compassion. Their voice roars like the sea. And they ride on horses, arranged as a man for the battle. Against you, O daughter of Zion. We have heard the report of it. Our hands are limp. Distress has taken hold of us, pain as of a woman in childbirth. Do not go out into the field, and do not walk on the road, for the enemy has a sword. Terror is on every side. O daughter of my people, gird yourself with sackcloth and roll in ashes. Mourn as for an only son, a lamentation most bitter, for suddenly the destroyer will come upon us. I have made you a tester of metals and an assayer among my people, that you may know and test their way. All of them are rebelliously stubborn, going about as, as a slanderer. They are bronze and iron. They all of them are corrupt. The bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. In vain the refining goes on. But the evil ones are not separated. They call them rejected silver, because Yahweh has rejected them. Jeremiah 7 The word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh, saying, Stand in the gate of the house of Yahweh, and you shall call out, there, and you should, shall call out there this word, and you shall say, Hear the word of Yahweh, all you of Judah, who enter by these gates to worship Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, Make your ways and your deeds good, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in lying words, saying, This is the temple of Yahweh, the temple of Yahweh, the temple of Yahweh. For if you truly make your ways and your deeds good, if you truly do justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own evil demise, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you are trusting in lying words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear while lying, and burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods that you have not known? Then come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered, that you may do all these abominations? Has this house which is called by my name become a robber's den in your sight? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, declares Yahweh. But go now to my place which was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at the first. 
and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these works, declares Yahweh, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore I will do to the house which is called by my name, and which you trust, and to the place which I gave you, and your fathers, as I did to Shiloh. I will cast you out of my presence, as I have cast out all your brothers, all the seed of Ephraim. As for you, do not pray for this people, and do not lift up a cry of lamentation or prayer for them, and do not intercede with me, for I am not hearing you. Are you not seeing what they are doing in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, and the fathers make the fire burn, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven, and they pour out drink offerings to other gods in order to provoke me. Do they provoke me, declares Yahweh? Is it not themselves they provoke to the shame of their own face? Therefore thus says Lord Yahweh, Behold, my anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place, on man and on beast, and on the trees of the field, on the fruits of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, Add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Listen to my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and you will walk in the entire way which I command you, that it may be well with you. Yet they did not listen or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and in the stubbornness of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have sent you all my slaves, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did more evil than their fathers. You shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you, and you shall call to them, but they will not answer you. You shall say to them, This is the nation that did not listen to the voice of Yahweh their God, or receive discipline. Truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. Cut off your hair and cast it away, and lift up a funeral lamentation on the bare heights. For Yahweh has rejected and abandoned the generation of his wrath. For the sons of Judah have done what that which is evil in my sight, declares Yahweh. They have set their detestable things in the house, which is called by my name, to defile it. They have built the high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, and it did not come upon my heart. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when it will no longer be called Topheth or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of the slaughter, for they will bury in Topheth because there is no other place. The dead bodies of this people will be food for the birds of the sky and for the beasts of the earth, and no one will frighten them away. Then I will make to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land will become a waste place. Jeremiah 8 verses 1-7 at that time, declares Yahweh, they will bring out the bones of the kings of Judah, and the bones of its princes, and the bones of the priests, and the bones of the prophets, and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem from their graves. And they will spread them out to the sun, the moon, and to all the host of heaven, which they have loved, and which they have served, and which they have walked after, and which they have sought, and which they have worshipped. They will not be gathered or buried. They will be as dung on the face of the ground. And death will be chosen rather than life by all the remnant that remains of this evil family, that remains in all the places to which I have banished them, declares Yahweh of hosts. You shall say to them, Thus says Yahweh, Do men fall and not get up again? Does one turn away and not turn back? Why then has this people, Jerusalem, turned away in continual faithlessness? They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return. I have given heed and heard. They have spoken what is not right. No man regretted his evil, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his course, like a horse charging into the battle. Even the stork in the sky knows her seasons, and the turtle dove and the swift and the crane keep the time of their migration. But my people do not know the legal judgment of Yahweh. All right. Colossians 2, verses 8 through 23. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells bodily, 
and in him you have been filled who is the head over all rule and authority, in whom you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him, having graciously forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He also has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them in him. Therefore no one is to judge you in food and drink, or in respect to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath day, things which are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement, and the worship of the angels going into detail about visions he has seen, being puffed up for nothing by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourselves to decrees? Do not handle, nor taste, nor touch, which deal with everything destined to perish with use, which are in accordance with the commands and teachings of men, which are matters having, to be sure, a word of wisdom and self-made religion, and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. All right, Psalm 78, verses 1 through 31. A Maskell of Asaph. <clears throat> Give ear, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will pour forth dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have recounted to us. We will not conceal them for, from their children, but recount to the generation to come the praise of Yahweh, and his strength and his wondrous deeds that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob, and set a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and recount them to their children, that they should set their confidence in God, and not forget the deeds of God, but observe his commandments, and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with bows, Yet they turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. So they forgot his acts and his wondrous deeds that he had shown them. He did wonders before their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He split the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters stand up like a heap. Then he led them with the cloud by day and all the night with a light of fire. He was splitting the rocks in the wilderness and so gave them abundant drink like the ocean depths. He brought forth streams also from the cliff face, and caused waters to run down like rivers. Yet they still continued to sin against him, to rebel against the Most High in the desert. And in their heart they put God to the test, by asking for food according to their desire. Then they spoke against God. They said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that waters gushed out, and streams were overflowing. Can he give bread also? Will he prepare meat for his people? Therefore, Therefore Yahweh heard and was full of wrath, and a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also mounted against Israel, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them grain from heaven. Man ate the bread of angels. He set them provisions to satisfy. He sent them provisions to, provision to satisfy. Sorry about that. He led forth the east wind in the heavens, and by his strength he guided the south wind. Then he rained meat upon them like the dust, even winged fowl like the sand of the seas. He caused them to fall in the midst of his camp, all around his dwelling places. So they ate and were very satisfied, and their desire he brought to them. Before they had satisfied their desire, while their food was in their mouth, the anger of God rose against them and killed some of their stoutest ones, and subdued the choice men of Israel. All right, well, I guess we'll finish that up tomorrow. Actually, I think it's two more days to finish up that psalm. And Proverbs verse twenty, Proverbs 24, verse 26. He kisses the lips who responds 
with right words. All right. Well, that is our reading for the day. Um, we finished out the week with this um, of, of Bible reading. We're still going to read Saturday, Sunday, but we finished out the work week. Whew, glad we finished out the work week. All right. I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. I, I hope this time in the word helps to keep you saturated in it. Keep, keeps the word of God always before your mind. Um, I would continue to implore you to do all you do for the glory of God. And I hope to see you for the evening segment. Let's go ahead and close out with prayer. We're going to use a prayer here. This one from Valley Vision is called the precious blood. Let's pray. Blessed Lord Jesus. Before thy cross I kneel and see the heinousness of my sin, my iniquity that caused thee to be made a curse, the evil that excites the severity of divine wrath. Show me the enormity of my guilt by the crown of thorns, the pierced hands and feet, the bruised body, the dying cries. Thy blood is the blood of incarnate God, its worth infinite, its value beyond all thought. Infinite must be the evil and guilt that demands such a price. Sin is my malady, my monster, my foe, my viper, born in my birth, alive in my life, strong in my character, dominating my faculties, following me as a shadow, intermingling with my every thought, my chain that holds me captive in the empire of my soul. Sinner that I am, why should the sun give me light, the air supply breath, the earth bear my tread, its fruits nourish me, its creatures subserve my ends. Yet thy compassions yearn over me, thy heart hastens to my rescue, thy love endured my curse, thy mercy bore my deserved stripes. Let me walk humbly in the lowest depths of humiliation, bathed in thy blood, tender of conscience, triumphing gloriously as an heir of salvation. Amen. Wow. All right. Well, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day, and I hope to see you for the evening seg segment. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Friday, October 6th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right, we're going to be continuing on in our study of John chapter 13 for this evening segment. Let's go ahead and get opened up and get moving along. We're going to open up with, oh, got to move the tab, open up with um, a prayer from Valley Vision. It's called backsliding, backsliding. Let's pray. O Lord, when the world's unbelievers reject thee, and are so forsaken by thee, that thou callest them no more, it is to thine own thou dost turn, for in such seasons of general apostasy they in some measure backslide with the world. O how free is thy grace that reminds them of the danger that confronts them, and urges them to persevere in adherence to thyself. I bless thee that those who turn aside may return to thee immediately, and be welcomed without anything to commend them, notwithstanding all their former backslidings. I confess that this is suited to my case, for of late I have found great want and lack of apprehension of divine grace. I have been greatly distressed of soul, because I did not suitably come to the fountain that purges away all sin. I have labored too much for spiritual life, peace of conscience, progressive holiness, in my own strength. I beg thee, show me the arm of all might. Give me to believe that thou canst do for me more than I ask or think, and that though I backslide, thy love will never let me go, but will draw me back to thee with everlasting cords, that thou dost provide grace in the wilderness, and canst bring me out leaning on the arm of my beloved, that thou canst cause me to walk with him by the rivers of waters in a straight way, wherein I shall not stumble. Keep me solemn, devout, faithful, resting on free grace for assistance, acceptance, and peace of conscience. Amen. All right, the evening uh, devotion from October 6th from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. The text for it is from Numbers 12.1. He had married an Ethiopian woman. Strange choice of Moses, but how much more strange the choice of him who is a prophet like unto Moses and greater than he. Our Lord, who is fair as the lily, has entered into marriage union with one who confesses herself to be black, because the sun has looked upon her. It is the wonder of angels that the love of Jesus should be set upon poor lost guilty men. 
Each believer must, when filled with a sense of Jesus' love, be also overwhelmed with astonishment astonishment she, excuse me that such love should be lavished on an object so utterly unworthy of it knowing as we do our secret guiltiness unfaithfulness and black-heartedness we are dissolved in greatest at grateful admiration of the matchless freeness and sovereignty of grace jesus must have found the cause of his love in his own heart he could not have found it in us for it is not there even since our conversion we have been black though grace has made us comely Holy Rutherford said of himself what we must each describe to, I'm sorry, each subscribe to. His relation to me is that I am sick and he is the physician of whom I stand in need. Alas, alas how often I play fast and loose with Christ. He bindeth, I loose. He buildeth, I cast down. I quarrel with Christ and he agreeth with me twenty times a day. Most tender and faithful husband of our souls, pursue thy gracious work of conforming us to thine image, till thou shalt till thou shalt present even us poor Ethiopians unto thyself, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Moses met with opposition because of his marriage, and both himself and his spouse were the subjects of an evil eye. Can we wonder if this vain world opposes Jesus and his spouse, and especially when great sinners are converted? For this is ever the Pharisee's ground of, object, of, ground of objection. This man receiveth sinners. Still is the old cause of quarrel revived, because he has married an Ethiopian woman. All right. Well, like I said, we're continuing on in uh, John chapter 13. We're actually in our final section of John chapter 13. And early next week, God willing, we should be wrapping chapter 13 up, moving into John chapter 14. Uh, but what we've what we got to realize here, so so basically what we've done, um, like we talked about, um, John or I'm sorry, Jesus um, completed his public entry into the city that that triumphal entry with Hosanna, Hosanna, and all of that. He made some last statements, and then his public his public ministry ended. As he entered Jerusalem, I, I mean, he made those few statements. And then his public ministry ended during this Passover festival. It's done, and then we saw the beginning of the of the Lord's Supper. Um, though it, it's definitely the very beginning, they haven't actually eaten yet. Um, and we saw Jesus wash their feet. We saw him wash their feet again. We saw that the humility of love, Jesus showing what true humility looks like. That humility that should be one of the cornerstone behaviors, one of the cornerstone manifestations of a true Christian. Humility. Absolutely no confidence in self, all in Christ. But we saw that. We saw that. I'm, of course, not Christ confidence in Christ, but Christ showing that humility to bathe their feet. And we talked about that, so I won't go into detail with that. But we've talked about that more, more than a few times about how amazing that was, what love that showed. But then we saw, as it continued on, the unmasking of the betrayer. We saw that, um, the unmasking of Judas. Um, what Jesus finally uh, indicating, so that John heard, but nobody else did, that it would be the one that he offered the morsel, that he offered that that piece. And we talked about that. That, that was actually a sign of honor, a sign of special... special um, acknowledgement and he provided that to judas and judas still even in that with all the love jesus has shown him it has to have because of what they're all doing has to have shown judas over over the previous three years and shows again on on the eve of judas's betrayal and judas turns and walks from him so Judas is left. Verse 30. This is the verse right before the verse we're going to deal with today. So after receiving the piece of bread, that's the morsel, he went out immediately and it was night. So Judas is gone. So again, starting from John uh, 13 verse 31 and on, we are in what is called what is called by theologians, the upper room discourse. Jesus is going to um, discourse here. Jesus, Jesus, this is like we said, we've like I've actually said before, we've gone from the public ministry he's done over the three years to a private ministry with the 11, 
that are left, a private ministry, to prepare them for what is about to happen. He's trying to get them ready because this is going this is going to be severe. And, and again, so, so I didn't even really put this in, in the notes, but let's talk about this. I know I've brought it up before, but it's something we've got to remember because it becomes very, very easy for you and I in our day as we read through this as a book. Um, read through the Bible as a book and read through the accounts of this in whatever gospel you're reading through or, or yeah, any, any one of the four gospels. We, we don't really, I mean, it, this isn't, this just isn't a, the norm for most people. But again, I, I, I want to make it clear. And I, and I know I kind of hammered it home the other day, but again, I want to make it clear because it becomes very, very easy for us to forget what the true impact is on the 11 that are left the, the betrayal of Judas and the death of Jesus. We, we just, it, it, it's something that, at least for me, and, and maybe I'm speaking to you, maybe, maybe you like I, that's something that hasn't really, it didn't really register down in the bone. And give me a second, I need some water. It didn't really cover, or color, I should say, it didn't really color and shape how I took these verses in and it verses in and it needs to again. And, and I know I'm repeating myself, but again, these people have been living together, sleeping together, eating together, walking together, talking together, learning together for three straight years, three, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for three years. That forms a bond that is not, it's not a casual bond. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ at the church I go to. And as much as I love them, it's not the same bond that these guys have. And I do, I love them dearly, but it's not the same thing. I, I know some of us may have a better green. I, I know my pastor and I both um, are veterans We've, we've been out, we've, we've, we've put, I mean, honestly, I've, I've gone out and, and I've, I've disappeared from my home for six months at a time before with just them. I'm out with my shipmates and I'm at sea and I'm gone and I have minimal contact with, with, with my family, even when we pull into port. Um, so there's, there's just a bond that forms there. And that was only six months. And we did pull into ports where I could go see other people. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, we did eat, sleep and all that stuff together, but it, 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 it one, it wasn't the same thing, um, necessarily, but, but the bond that forms, I mean, like I've said, um, I shoot, I just got a video from, uh, from the gentleman who was my engineer. What a wonderful, wonderful officer. And I, I loved working for him. One of the best bosses I ever had. And he just, uh, and, and he sent me something yesterday or actually I think it was this morning, um, a video, um, where he's praying for me and it just, it, it blessed me. It truly blessed me. It actually brought tears and he's a wonderful, wonderful man. We still have those kind of relationships. That's the thing. We're still that close. I know some of the guys and it's just, I live so far across the country, but they end up running into each other. They, they end up making trips to each other to go hunting and stuff. Now I'd love to do that. It's just trying to find the time and the money to do it makes it a little hard. But, but that's the kind of, that, that's the kind of relationship these guys have. It's that tight, but, but their teacher, their rabbi, basically their father figure is almost how they, how the rabbi sits there is telling them that he is going to be betrayed. He is going to be murdered, but not only is he their, their rabbi, their father figure, their teacher, he's their Messiah. They know he's their Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the son of God. They know it. Peter has flat out declared it. And as much as the guy never seems to lack for a word, he nailed that one. He nailed it. They know that this is their Messiah. They may have a misperception as to what that means because they're thinking earthly kingdom and it's really spiritual kingdom, heavenly kingdom. But, but again, their Messiah but they're about to have one of their brothers. One that is, that is closer than any family will ever be is going to betray them. He's going to betray them and Jesus is going to die. He's going to be murdered, not just die. He's going to be murdered. 
murdered by the religious establishment that ought to be lauding him. So this is going to have a huge impact on them. Thus, Jesus' upper room discourse. I mean, this, this isn't just Jesus feeling like he wants to ramble on and pontificate for four chapters. Well, three, what, 14, 15, um, three and eight verses, seven verses. That, this isn't just Jesus wanting to yak. This is Jesus trying to prepare them. So that's what's going on here. So this sec- this new section, these last eight verses here in the chapter, um, we call them, like I've told you before, I, te- I tend to use somebody else's um, uh, headings in their con- in their. Uh, commentaries and sections because it just makes it easier to set up. But but the name for it, I think it's perfect. It's the supreme standard of sacrificial love. You remember we started out the chapter with the humility of love and then we saw the betrayer, but we're going to see the supreme standard of sacrificial love in these last eight verses. So what we're going to deal with, and we're, we're kind of going to be broken down into three sections here. What we're going to deal with tonight is called the profound expression of Christ's love. This is verse 31 through 33. So I'm going to go ahead and read them to you, and then we're going to dig into them. Therefore, when he had gone out, speaking of Judas, therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify glorify him in himself, and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So again, like I said, Judas is left. We saw that in verse 31. Therefore, when he had gone out, Judas is left. So like I said, here is the upper room discourse. Jesus is going to discourse for three chapters and eight verses. So Jesus first says, first says here, now is the son of man glorified. Now is the son of man glorified. The plan is in motion. What we're going to really, what he's talking about, the plan is in motion. You know, as we spoke of, Jesus has continued to move this plan along. He, he entered Jerusalem. Like I said, the, while, while the, the religious elite had planned to have him murdered and actually had come to the point that they were also going to murder um, Lazarus because he was an outstanding um, witness. <laughs> you know, I mean, just by living, he was a witness to the fact that Jesus was a man of God. Um, so they're going to murder them both, but they weren't going to be doing that over the Passover. Um, it was just, it was too risky for them to do over the Passover with the way the people felt about Jesus it was just way too risky, risky, the kind of riots they could cause that might cause the Romans to react harshly. They just weren't going to do that. But Jesus makes his entry on the colt, on, 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 on a colt of a donkey. And it becomes the triumphal entry and the palm branches and the coats laid down and the coats laid on its back. It was like a king's entry. And they proclaimed him. People proclaimed him, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he, you know, who comes in the name of the Lord and, and, you know, even calling him the king of Israel. So he set that in motion. He forced them to have to respond, which they will by murdering him. But then he also, we saw as as that last part, as he reveals Judas as the betrayer, at least to John, because the rest didn't hear his comment. Um, But at least to John, the apostle, he did. He tells Judas, what you do, do quickly. He sends him off to do it. He's moving this agenda along. He's moving this plan along himself. So Jesus is within 24 hours of being crucified. But as humiliating as his death on the cross, so that's what he's moved forward. As humiliating as his death on the cross may be, being his greatest humiliation, it will also be his greatest glory as he gives his righteous life to pay the price for the sins of the elect to provide salvation for man. His greatest humiliation is also the greatest glory for him because he's laying down 
his life for others. Again, and I can't remember the chapter and verse. I should have looked it up. But it, um, greater love hath no man than that he give his life for another. Jesus is showing that love. He's making clear, I'm going to be glorified. He's speaking of the fact that he's going to be crucified. But even in that crucifixion is his greatest glory. That he is truly going to be glorified in all of that. That no matter how ugly they want to make it, no matter how ugly this is, he is glorified. Something beautiful is coming out of it because he is the Christ. Because he is the Christ and because his sacrifice provides for the salvation of mankind. Provides for the salvation of those who would believe. And how amazing is that? That that true expression of Christ's love, how profound that is. But that he is truly glorified. And that verse goes on, and God is glorified in him again. Jesus is glorified. We got to remember that. How often have we seen Jesus in our study in the gospel of John, where he's made very, very clear, particularly to the religious elite, that I do what the father tells me to do. That's all I'm doing. I'm here to do God's will and God's will alone. And again, that's my wording of it, but that, that's what Jesus has said repeatedly, that he's there to do God's will and God's will alone and to bring glory to God. And again, we, we talk about it. I, I brought it up before the Westminster Shorter Catechism very first question and answer is what is the chief end of man the chief end of man is to glorify god and enjoy him together well if, that, if that's the chief end of man think maybe that's the chief end of christ to glorify god i mean if he's here he glorifies god he in his obedience and that's what we got to remember he in in his obedience to god his obedience to the will of god brings glory to god and don't get me wrong uh, and God is glorified in him. He's being obedient to the plans and good pleasure of God. And like I said, he stated repeatedly through the gospel of John that he only does God's will. So then in Jesus being glorified because he's being obedient and submits and surrenders his life, because remember, he surrenders it and picks it back up. He doesn't give it away. But because he surrenders his life in that obedience, while he is glorified, his father is glorified. God is glorified. So verse 32. If God is glorified in him, as we just spoke of in verse 31, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. So Jesus goes on here to indicate that if God is glorified in Jesus Christ, as we saw in our previous verse, God will also glorify Jesus in God and will glorify Jesus immediately. God will glorify Jesus in himself by resurrecting Jesus and seating him at the right hand of God. And it is going to happen immediately. He's going to seat him at his right hand and put his enemies as a footstool for him. He's going to glorify him. He is going to resurrect him and raise him, the ascension. Okay, this resurrection, and, and the reason he speaks of it being immediately, this resurrection and ascension will shortly follow the crucifixion on the cross. This isn't something that's going to happen five, six years down the road. Um, fact is, if you do kind of the figures and everything, it's maybe 40 days total between his resurrection and his final ascension, maybe 40 days. So he's going to immediately be glorified in God. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to be seen by many, 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 many. He's going to have a great impact and set the set the uh, the the eleven, and then Paul. On, well, set the eleven, and then he he ends up interacting with Paul, um, to do, but set them, on the path, of spreading the gospel to the rest of the world, and then he's going to ascend. He's going to be glorified immediately by God. So verse 33, little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I will also say to you where I am going, you cannot come. So again, Jesus starts with the term of endearment, little children. It, it's, it's, he, he's, he's, like I said, they, he's kind of a father figure to them as much as they're probably all in a similar age range, but he's their teacher, their rabbi. He's kind of a father figure. 
So he starts with that term of endearment. He loves them so much because he knows he's about to give his life for their salvation as well. So he says, little children. But he goes on to say he's going to be there a little while longer. Again, he, he, he is continuing um, speaking of the fact that he's about to be crucified. He's, he's laying that out again. Like I said, he's within 24 hours of being crucified. You know, he's within 24 hours of being crucified and he's probably within a couple hours of being taken and arrested. So he's speaking that he's only there for a little while, but that the betrayal is coming and soon he's going to be taken away from them. So he's, he's again trying to, I mean, this isn't the first time he's said this kind of thing. He's trying to get this across. The fact is he's even said it to the Jews, which he points out. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you where I am going, you cannot come. If you remember earlier in John, he said that to the Jewish leaders, you cannot come. And of course it left them. What is he going to the diaspora? What is he going to go, you know, go commit suicide? What, what is he going to do? You know, they were, they were like, where is this guy going? So, like I said, he reminds them that he's already said this to the Jews. But he goes on to indicate where he is going, they cannot come. And again, he's not speaking of the diaspora. He's not speaking of that. He's speaking of the fact that he is, and all of this, this, this sentence altogether states clearly, and the, these three verses together, this, this verse by itself, these three verses together are making a clear indication that he is about to be crucified, be taken from them, be crucified and resurrected, and then he will ascend to heaven, where his disciples cannot follow him until their glorification. So that that's that's what he's trying to get across to them. He's trying to be loving. He's trying to show them and remind them these things are coming. Especially trying to tell them, as as he said before, um, I think it's back in verse nineteen or twenty. Let me scroll back there. Yeah. Verse 19, from now on, I am telling you before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he, you may believe that I am, you may believe that I am Yahweh. Remember, it was one of the I am statements. I am Yahweh. And, and he's doing that to let them know, listen, I know this is coming again. I am God in, in that statement. I am Yahweh. He is God. He knows this is coming. It's okay. You got to hang on. You know, that's, that's the thing. This is coming. I'm telling you about it beforehand so that when it happens, it, it, it doesn't completely crush you and make you unusable for the kingdom of God. Again, he's, he, they've got to be ready. They've got a mission and that mission is critical because it is critical for the salvation of the world. Not, not that they can necessarily do anything, but they are the, we are the instrumental cause. That's way too many have talked about the fact, um, and one of the things that comes up about particular beliefs um, is that in some cases they'll go, well, well, if that's what you believe, then why would you evangelize at all? We have to understand God has chosen man to be an instrumental means of taking the gospel to all the nations. That's why we are given Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20, that we are, we are to go to make disciples of all nations and then we are to teach them all that we have been taught. We're the instrumental means to bring that to them. We can't save them, but we bring them those means so that the gospel is brought to them, so that the Holy Spirit uses that gospel brought to them to regenerate them. And so that's what Jesus is getting these guys ready for. This is about to be really, really ugly. I know this is going to be hard on you. I love you so much, and I'm about to give my life for you. But it's coming and I know it and it's expected and it's okay. But you got to carry on. You got to carry on the mission we have. This is what he's been telling them. And this is what he's going to continue to do and work with them to try to prepare them for the next three chapters. So that's what we'll continue on with next week. Um, God willing. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope you've had yourself a good week. I hope you're looking forward to a great weekend. Um, I hope you have good weekend plans. If they don't include worshiping with the saints, please do so. 
If there's some weird reason you cannot physically, please join us for our live streams. We live stream on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, we're Vail Valley Baptist Church. On Twitter, we're at VVB Church. Um, we stream at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Sunday, on Sunday morning. So please, if you can't physically join the saints where you are, though we would encourage you to do so, find a solid church, please join us. Pastor Jay, I believe he's actually going to be preaching out of Colossians. I believe he's going to be preaching out of Colossians. Looking forward to that. But please join us then it, there if you if you can't physically somewhere else. All right. Well, have yourself a wonderful weekend. Let's go ahead and close out with prayer. We're going to close out with the six-day evening prayer. It's called the Mediator. O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we hope in thy word. There we see thee, not on a fearful throne of judgment, but on a throne of grace, waiting to be gracious and exalted in mercy. There we hear thee saying, Not depart ye cursed, but look unto me, and be ye saved. For I am God, and there is none else. They that know thy name put their trust in thee. How many now glorified in heaven, and what numbers living on earth are thy witnesses, O God, exemplifying in their recovery from the ruins of the fall, the freeness, riches, and efficacy of thy grace, all that were ever saved were saved by thee, and will through eternity exclaim, Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and truth's sake. Thou hast chosen to transact all thy concerns with us through a mediator, in whom all fullness dwells, and who is exalted to be prince and savior. To him we look, on him we depend, through him we are justified. May we derive relief from his sufferings without ceasing to abhor sin, or to long after holiness. Feel the double efficacy of his blood, tranquilizing and cleansing our consciences. Delight in his service as well as in his sacrifice. Be constrained by his love to live not to ourselves but to him. Cherish a grateful and cheerful disposition, not murmuring and repining if our wishes are not indulged, or because some trials are blended with our enjoyments. But sensible of our desert, and impressed with the number and greatness of thy benefits, may we bless and praise thee at all times. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful weekend, and I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Have a good night. God bless. Music